Well, today is Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. Palm Sunday gets its name from the palm branches that were waved in the air or placed in Jesus's path as he rode into Jerusalem. In many faith traditions throughout the world, Palm Sunday begins Holy Week, a time of somber reflection and also joyous celebration as we proclaim the heart of the Easter message that He is risen. We begin our time together today by simply reading the text, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah, Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, who is this? Well, the crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now this particular episode is recorded by all four gospel writers. Matthew and Mark mention the laying down of branches, while John specifically refers to them as palm branches in John chapter 12 and verse 13. And that's the reason that many in the religious world refer to today the Sunday before Easter as Palm Sunday. Now we're really blessed at the A&M Church of Christ to have many biblical scholars in our midst. And I asked Tyler Josephson, one of our young seminary students, a question about the backdrop of this passage. And my question was, what is the purpose of the palm branches? And what do so many in the audience seem to misunderstand? So for the historical context of the palm branches, first, it's from the Feast of Sukkot that the Israelites were supposed to obey. They were commanded to come to the temple of the Lord where God puts his name. First, it was the tabernacle and then the temple. They were told to come to the temple and bring uh, the boughs of palm trees and wave them at God and celebrate together. And the problem was God never told them why which we get frustrated at when God gives us command doesn't tell us why they get excited because they get to decide and figure out why. So the feast of Sukkot was, uh, it's a holiday to celebrate when Israel lived in the wilderness to remember. So they make booths, 
Um, even if you're, going, if you're going to A&M's campus now, you can see booths that the Jewish Society will make. Um, they look probably nothing like the booths from <laughs> this long, from thousands of years ago. But the point was they go and they celebrate and commemorate when they lived in the wilderness with God, when it was just them and God alone being led in the wilderness. So they tried to decide why God had them bring palm branches. The first one was, okay, palm branches grow in the, the desert, so maybe um, that is why. We just have palm branches to remind us of when we were in the desert. Um, the second one was, it was a tradition that began to be developed over time. When Solomon dedicated his temple, he dedicated it actually on Sukkot. Um, and he said this really long prayer that in your Bible probably takes a page and a half or so. And in that prayer, he told God, he said, Lord, when you turn your eyes toward this place, have mercy on us and send rain upon your land that you have given to your people as an inheritance. So when he dedicates a temple, he asks God on Sukkot to send rain. And so then the tradition began developed of, we think that they shook the palm branches because if you've ever shaken a palm branch, you can tell it sounds like rain on a tent, which would be symbolic of their time in the wilderness, although, although it didn't rain in the wilderness, but it sounded like rain when you shook the palm branch. And so you would ask God, and that makes sense for when it is, because on our calendar, it's in October-ish. And that would be when it hasn't rained for about six months, and they plant their fields, and they're asking God then to send rain so that they can continue to exist, because if they don't get rain, they can't live. And so they shake these palm branches, go to the temple, ask God to save them, and send them rain. Um, <clears throat> later on, Psalm 118 was written, and this also became a... Uh, psalm connected to Sukkot. It doesn't explicitly say that it's for Sukkot, um, but you can tell just by reading it. And verse 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Of course, we know that passage, um, but then we tend to disconnect it from the next passage. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord <clears throat> has done it to this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Verse 25 says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. And so they connected this psalm with Sukkot because it says, with bows in hand, which are um, palm branches of a tree. We assume the only time they're commanded to hold a tree branch was Sukkot. It says, with bows in hand. Uh, join the festal, the festive procession, so the crowd, up to the horns of the altar, which is the temple. <laughs> so in non-poetic language, it says, big, form a crowd, grab the branches of a tree and go to the temple. And so they connected this psalm, obviously, with Sukkot for those reasons. But in the psalm, it says, um, Lord, save us, grant us success. So Lord, save us, which in Hebrew will be Yashanah, <laughs> Hoshanah, Lord, save us. Um, so that is where the Hashanah comes from later on. And of course, the triumphal entry, and we'll get to that. But that's where it comes from, this idea that Lord save us by sending us rain so that we can live. So, um, and then also they, of course, they change the words that Psalm 118 that says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These uh, crowd says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So they tried to make him their king by changing the words of Psalm around and trying to lift him up as a king that's going to destroy the Romans. Well, as I said, we are blessed to have such gifted young scholars among us. You can catch his entire overview in a separate video that we will post online later today. Now, there are multiple crowds 
that are referenced in this story when we put all four gospel accounts together. The shouting crowd, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, well, that crowd is his disciples. And so they seem to understand, at least on some level, that Jesus is truly Hosanna. He truly is the one who saves, the Messiah. In John 12, 13, some people come out of the city and they join the chorus. Now, these are the voices that Tyler references in his contextual overview. These are the voices who are probably shouting, save us from the Romans versus save us from our sins. These are the ones for whom Jesus weeps. And so there are a few thoughts that come to mind as I reflect on this Palm Sunday text. First, those who walked with Jesus have a clearer understanding of Jesus. I want you to notice how Luke presents these co-travelers in this particular story. He wrote, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of, notice the word here, disciples, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. So, as I said a few moments ago, those who walked with Jesus have a clearer understanding of Jesus. But the reverse is also true, or the inverse is also true. Those who know of him... Well, they struggle a little bit more to understand him. Notice how these newcomers, those who are inside Jerusalem, respond in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they asked, who is this? Now there's multiple translations of verse 10 and I think it's pretty important to see how some of these translations differ. In the NIV we read, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Notice how other translations render this verse. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, everyone in the city was excited. When he came into Jerusalem, the whole city was trembling with excitement. So the people are pretty stirred up. There's a lot going on here verbally as the people are wondering, who is this? If we go a little bit farther in Luke's gospel in chapter 19, verses 47 and 48, we're going to read later that this excitement doesn't wane, at least not immediately. Luke writes, every day Jesus was teaching at the temple, but the chief priest, the teachers of the law, the leaders among the people were trying to kill him, yet they could not find a way to do it because all the people hung on his words. So in this instance, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and even for several days after he's there, we see all types of reactions to Jesus. Some of the disciples seem to understand what's going on. Others still do not. The Pharisees focus on what the disciples are doing, and they, they just miss Jesus' Messiahship altogether. Some want a conquering king. Others are just simply curious. And still others want what's best for themselves. 
But with responses being all over the place, there are some in the crowd who ask a really important question. Who is this? Who is this man? In modern vernacular, we might say, who is this guy? You know, years ago, I, I happened to be uh, in Hollywood while a world premiere was taking place at uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. Pierce Brosnan of James Bond 007 fame stepped out of a limo and a lady who was uh, not from the United States tapped me on the shoulder and asked, is he famous? Well, quite frankly, for some in Jesus's audience, you know, the motivation may have been very similar to the lady who tapped me on my shoulder that day. But the answer to the question, who is this, that is asked of Jesus here, is one of the most powerful and profound of any answers given to any question ever asked. In this instance, those in the crowd who respond, they just miss it. He's a prophet, they say in verse 11, and they're right, but that's not all he is. In this instance, Jesus is prophetically presented as Messiah. He is the anointed one, the son of God, chosen by God to fulfill the redemptive purposes of God. And so I think about their motivations. I think about their different perspectives and inferences. And I, I can't help but think about where we are today. You know, our current pandemic has lots of people taking a long look in the mirror. People are praying at levels that we haven't seen in a long time. People need comfort. They need hope. They need purpose. And I think at a much more profound level than they even realize, King Jesus is entering many a city and county and state and nation. And many people are, are being stirred up. And I pray in most cases in a good way. Here is the question. For the first time in a long time, lots of people are asking, who is this? in relationship to Jesus Christ and, and how we answer this question is so critically important in this time. And, and I just want to offer a few suggestions. There are so many. And, and when I say when we answer this question, I don't just mean verbally. I mean also by our actions. And so whether it's, whether it's by our actions or whether it's by our words, here are just a few examples to consider. No matter what, I trust Jesus. Or put another way, I don't take a single step without Jesus. Or when it comes to how we're, we're, we're getting through this pandemic, maybe something like, you know, I have all kinds of friends and, and family who help me through times like this, but there's only one primary way that I stay strong, and that's Jesus. 
You know, our, our tone is so critical as we have opportunity to model our relationship with Christ or, or talk to others about our relationship with Christ. Our tone is so critical in these conversations. We don't tell others what they ought to do or what they should do. We simply model what Jesus modeled as he he doesn't enter Jerusalem with guns blazing or with a marching band or with you know, thousands in horse-drawn carriages uh, in, in a military parade. As with the manger, he comes in the simplest of forms, not pushing against the chance of the crowd uh, that he is indeed Hosanna, but, but longing in his heart for them to get it to truly understand who he is and why he's here. And you know what? He wants the exact same thing for the world today. In the beginning of our lesson, I noted that over the years, Hollywood hasn't been very kind in its portrayal of Christians. And you know what? We probably brought a little bit of that on ourselves. But I hope and pray that the COVID-19 pandemic is contributing to a much truer narrative of who we are, what we believe, and as I said earlier, who we believe in. Our charge, as we think about the significance of Palm Sunday, and, and every day for that matter, is this. Keep praying. Keep serving. Keep calling, keep giving. It's important that we refill as we pour ourselves into the lives of others. It's important that we refill through prayer, through being in the word, through worship, and that we repeat the process again and again. Pray, serve, call, check on, give, refill through prayer, through the word, through worship and again, and again, and again. My prayer is that people won't have to ask, who is this? My prayer is that as people see us taking this situation seriously, yet experiencing it joyfully, that they will simply say, so that's who Jesus is. I want us to pray together this morning um, as we reflect on this, this passage of our Jesus, who is our Messiah, who is our King. Lord, thank you for Jesus, who is our Savior, our Redeemer, and our friend. As we engage others this week, may they see him in us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.